0: Hi, everyone. It's Pam Stack, your host for Authors on the Air. We're proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Stay tuned for my fabulous guest. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Authors on the Air. I'm so glad you're with me today. I have a very, very special guest, someone whose name I know you know. Um, her. Book last year was an international best-selling book and was named on so many best-of lists that I lost count. Uh, besides being a fabulous writer, she is uh, of psychological suspense. She is also. A very r- rabid photographer. She loves nature and um, has spent a lot of time outdoors taking photographs. When you see her website and you go to her pages, you're going to know what I'm talking about. She's also the co-founder of the online writers community called Backspace and organized the Backspace Writers Conferences in New York and Salt K Writers Retreat held on a private island in the Bahamas, which is really cool. Um, she sat as managing edit- editor for ITW's The Big Big throw, and was on the board of directors as vice president technology. My very special guest today is Karen Dion, the author of *The Marsh, Marsh King's Daughter* and *The Wicked Sister*. Karen, welcome to Authors on the Air. Hi, Pam. I'm so excited to be part of your show. I love the fact that you're finally on. You know, it's so funny because you were saying earlier that, you know, all the conferences are just nothing now and you know we would bump into each other occasionally some poor along the line and this is the first time you've been here but i'm thrilled that it's happening now i have to tell you i'm getting well, the best of the best too, you
1: know I, I, like you say, we've crossed paths at Thriller Fest in particular and and other conferences, and I feel like I know you, but we've never had a conversation before.
0: Isn't that the funniest thing? But now I feel like we've known each other forever. I don't know, just that, you know, back and forth we've been doing, so I love that. I want to say congratulations to you on not only the Wicked Sister, oh, my God, but on Marsh King's daughter because it was truly one of my favorite books. You do psychological suspense like no one I've ever met before. You just give it kind of an extra little twist there, and I never, never, never see the ending coming. That's so cool to hear, you know. And
1: I think it's interesting because when I I started getting serious about writing. I did not start writing psychological suspense at that time. I was writing environmental thrillers, similar to what Michael Crichton writes, because that's what I like to read. And, you know, my book, Otter Id is. And I also, I did not make a conscious decision to think, oh, I'm going to write psychological suspense now. What happened was I actually woke up in the night with the first sentences of The Marsh King's Daughter fully formed in my head. I wasn't dreaming about the character. The sentences were just there. And the sentences are, if I told you my mother's name, you'd recognize it right away. My mother was famous, though she never wanted to be. Hers wasn't the kind of fame anyone would wish for. J.C. DeGarde, Amanda Berry, Elizabeth Smart, that kind of thing, though my mother was none of them. <laughs> just like that, all those sentences. all those Wow. Things. Wow. And, and so, you know, this is obviously the character who came to me in the night is the daughter of a kidnapped girl and the man who took her and so you know the book becomes all about their relationship how she adored him when she was little and hated him when she was a teenager and and even denied him when she was a young married woman by taking a new name and then by the end of the book she has to come to terms with who and what she is so that's what moved me into the psychological suspense genre and i i I'm not being immodest, I don't think, when I say that in order to tell this story, I had to try a lot of writing techniques that I had never used before because it was the first time I was uh, telling a story that had a dual timeline and a lot of flashbacks. And it has a fairy tale element. So, how was I going to incorporate that in the book? And what happened was I discovered that I was a better writer than I realized. <laughs>
0: Well, I, I I don't know your past work. I do know the Marsh King's daughter, and, and of course the wicked sister. Um, and you you tell the tale so well. It's so. I mean, I have goose pimples when I started reading this one, <laughs> the new one. And um, and and I'm used to reading a lot of thrillers. I really am. And and it just was. I, you know, I have the tingles on the back of my hair on the back of my neck was standing up at certain points because nothing is as it seems to be in these two books. So I want to kind of go back. I want to go back to the beginning when you decided that you wanted to be a writer. Tell me about growing up and where your love of books came from.
1: Well, I was definitely one of those children that, you know, as soon as I learned to read, my nose was in a book, and that's where it stayed. Um, I can remember my uh, father, you know, calling me to come eat dinner, and and I wouldn't hear him because I was so deep in the story. And I'm quite certain that by the time I was about nine or ten, I had read every book on my parents' bookshelves, even ones that were definitely not (laughs) age-appropriate. And so, you know, that's just always been a part of me. But writing... Um, I, I wrote stories when I was little, of course, because that's what you're taught in school. And, and I sure. won creative writing awards when I was in high school, but I was not one of these people that was compelled to always be writing. That wasn't my calling, if you want to call it that from the very beginning. So I did other creative things. Um, my husband and I, um, we moved to Michigan's upper peninsula and we built a little cabin that was certainly creative. <laughs> and, you know, I liked fiber art and stained glass and a lot of other things, so go forward about twenty years, my son. We're still living in Michigan's Upper Peninsula. So we're going. My son was going to school in a in a small town, and he was a talented writer. And so I thought to myself, well, I was encouraging him to enter the same writing contest that I had done well in. You know, to give his writing an extra boost. And, you know, so classic midlife crisis, I thought, what about me? I used to be a good writer. And then I have to say what really clinched my desire to write again was my son did well in that contest. He won the Gold Key Award, which is is the highest award that they give. It happened to be the contest, Scholastic Art and Writing Awards. It was their 75th anniversary. So the awards ceremony was at the Kennedy Center in Washington, D.C., Kathy Bates was the master of ceremonies, the keynote speaker.
0: And Holy even though we was a couple
1: thousand miles away, I'm like, we are going.
0: <laughs> Holy and moly. That,
1: I know. It was really amazing. So I'm sure it was it, as I sat in that audience and in that beautiful place surrounded by everything, you know, bookish, that I was just like, okay, this is it. I'm going to be a writer.
0: How about that? And you finally have found your place as a writer now uh, doing psychological suspense. Um, When you started Marsh King's Daughter, since it was so different from anything you had written before, um, were you nervous even though you had those, that opening paragraph?
1: Yeah, that's a great question because I was, as I was writing the first chapter, I was so far outside my comfort zone, I really didn't know if it worked at all. Because, you know, it, it, the book starts out by directly addressing the reader. If I told you my mother's name, you'd recognize it right away. Right. I've never written like that before. I'd written third person, you know, straight up thrillers. So when I sent the first chapter to my agent, I wasn't even sure it was working. It was just, like I say, so far outside my comfort zone. Um, he loved it, of, of course. And, um, he told me very much later that it was so good. He did not think I had written it. You <laughs> shame on him. <laughs> it's okay. Well, it's okay. He's been my agent for 20 years. So, you know, in some respects we're like an old married couple. Right. But there you go. So, so that goes to what I was saying before about how, you know, in order to tell the story, I had to basically up my game and, and then, um, I, think I also it became clear that psychological suspense is the genre that I should have been writing all along so that's a big part of what I try to encourage writers now is if they're not getting the results that they want maybe they're querying for a you know looking for an agent and and nobody's biting or maybe they're published with a smaller publisher and they want to step up don't be afraid to change up what you're doing because you know that's just because
0: you started writing a certain way doesn't mean that that's where your strength lies. Speaking of, I want to let everybody who's listening know that if you want to call in and say hi to Karen, you can. The number is 347-633-9609. I'll say it again. Um, one of you will win um, a hardcover copy of Karen's new book, The Wicked Sister. The number is 347 633 Nine six zero nine, Karen, you know, um, when you finish Marsh King's daughter, did you feel like it was a darn good book? <laughs> yes, I did, um
1: actually, the process of of starting to write it, so I woke up in the night with the character's voice in my head the next morning, I wrote some more paragraphs in her voice, exploring more who she was. Uh, a couple days go by, the character is still speaking to me, so I I found the story structure by, by pulling my childhood fairy tale books off the shelf, because I, I was aware of some books that do this, because I didn't know what was going to happen to the character. I had the, the character, the setting, but where was the story? And so as I was paging through my fairy tale books and I found the fairy tale by Hans Christian Andersen, The Marsh King's Daughter, the parallels to the character who had already come to me in the night were so striking. I I did. I knew from that moment that this book could be something special. So normally I wrote part time and I helped my husband in uh, our furniture upholstery shop. That's how we made our Mm -hmm. living at that time. Mm-hmm. And instead of helping him, I wrote full-time on The Marsh King's Daughter for a year. So basically, I was writing on spec, but I knew that this could be the one. I did not expect the reception, though. I mean, you would have to take all of my previous publishing experience, combine it, and supersize it <laughs> to equal what's happened for The Marsh King's Daughter.
0: Pam, yeah, I'm still pinching myself. <laughs> I think it's wonderful. I really do because you found your your spot. You found your writer's spot. Um, you, you know, you know where you belong now, and it, that must be like coming home for you.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and um, it's it's a very interesting mindset because you know, as all these wonderful things were happening for the book, you you listed some of them. Uh, The Marsh King's Daughter sold at auction in in the United States. Um, It was a 12-way auction, meaning 12 publishers wanted to buy the book. And um, immediately after it sold in a seven-way auction in the U.K., a five-way auction in Germany, a three-way auction in Korea for a record amount in Poland, Uh, all this happened in the space of a few weeks. So it really felt surreal. It felt like all of this was happening to someone else and not me. So it did take me a little while to kind of settle into that new place, if that makes sense. It um, does. So, so you know, writing The Wicked Sister in some ways was a challenge because I felt like I had set the bar very high for myself. I, yes, I started. was just
0: thinking that. You did set the bar very high, but isn't it wonderful to write up and over that bar? I mean, that must be very gratifying for you as a writer. I,
1: I, I'm just – god to hear you say that because um, yeah, you know, obviously I I love Rachel's story. I love The Wicked Sister and especially love that it's told in two voices. So, you know, we have Rachel in the present and her mother Jenny in the past and I think those two stories intertwined are what make the book in my mind.
0: That's what makes it special. Oh, there's there's no doubt. Um, I don't think you could have told this story any other way and had it have the impact that it does. So for those who are listening now, um would you please give the synopsis of this book of The Wicked Sister so that listeners will know exactly what we're talking about. This is Karen's second big book and um she's published by Putnam, a great company. They're loads of fun to work with. So, and I'm thrilled that you're with them. Tell listeners about The Wicked Sister, please. Sure. So, like the Marsh King's Daughter,
1: it's set in Michigan's Upper Peninsula wilderness, and it tells the story of Rachel Cunningham, who, for her early years, she grew up in a beautiful log cabin on four thousand fifteen acres of wilderness. And when I say a beautiful log cabin, I'm talking completely over the top. You know, 2 stories, mm-hmm. copper roof, stained glass windows. You know, Tiffany mm-hmm. lamps. Um, her father, her great-great Grandfather built this as a hunting lodge, and so it's been in the family for generations. And her parents are wildlife biologists, so they study the the wildlife that's on the property. Her father studies amphibians, her mother studies black bears. So Rachel grows up following her parents around on the woods, you know, on their rounds, and she develops such a strong love of the natural world and for all living creatures. That even as an adult, she believes that she can communicate with insects and animals on a deeper, almost a spiritual level. Um, Yeah, especially the black bears that her mother studies. Not sure if I mentioned that. Black bears featured largely Mm -hmm. in the book. So, but the book does not start with Rachel, you know, happily following her mother around in the woods. Instead, she's in a mental hospital. And she's been there for 15 years, essentially by her own choice because she believes that she is responsible for the terrible shooting accident that took both her parents' lives when she was 11. Um, then she finds out fairly early on in the novel that there's strong reason to believe that she did not do this terrible thing, so she goes back to her childhood home where her aunt and her sister are still living to try to get answers. So that's, that's the gist of the way she goes
0: It was just just Uh, mind-blowing. The way that this book unfolded, um, her story is so compelling, and I immediately felt so much compassion, so much empathy for her, because she had isolated herself all these years, thinking that she'd done this horrible thing, even though it was considered an accident. It it just was a, a very, very compelling read, I have to tell you. Well,
1: thank you. And Rachel's half of the story was inspired by something that happened in real life. Many years ago, I read a uh, news item about a little boy, a toddler really, who was sitting behind his mother in the car, strapped into his car seat, and he found a handgun in her perch It was loaded, and he shot and killed her through the seat. And it just always stuck with me because I thought, well, obviously, it's, it's horrific and terrible, but I thought to myself, one day that little boy is going to grow up and he is inevitably going to find out what he did you know when he was a toddler and if i was that person how would that change my mind you know oh my gosh yeah
0: absolutely you, know, you
1: go from thinking you're you're a pretty good person to you know i did this terrible thing so i did a lot of research too you know on on what the after effects are like of a person who has you know accidentally taken someone else's life and obviously as, as you would imagine people never get over it they learn how no. to deal with it perhaps but but you can never undo that thing and that's right. those are the questions that i wanted to explore with with rachel and the wicked sister
0: when you before you started writing this did you have any dreams about this book no, I didn't. Although I tried sleeping a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason I ask is because you're not the first writer to tell me that uh, a lot of stories form in your dreams, which I, I am always fascinated by. Because if I have dreams, I don't remember them, or I'll wake up and then go back to sleep, and they're they're gone, long gone. I never even think about it. I I suppose I dream. I just don't remember any of them, or make a you know a conscious effort to do that. So um, I was just curious if, if that was something that, uh, you know, came to you in that way. It's, it's an interesting thought though. Um, Yeah. It was a rare thing
1: when it happened for the Marsh King's daughter. Most of my dreams are pretty ridiculous and would never make a book.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I bet you'd be surprised though, what people are willing to read, right? (laughs) Um, Well, you know, maybe that was your signal that it was your time to change your dream about the Marsh King's daughter, uh, was your trigger to change the way you write and the way you think about your writing and all. Are you confident when you write now, when you wrote the wicked sister, were you confident that you were telling the story that you really wanted to tell? Yes. That's a
1: really interesting question because, um, I think a writer has to feel that way because it's such a long process, number one. It takes a year or more mm-hmm. to write a novel, and, and your story has to engage you personally. You know, you have to want to tell this, this character's story. And so I, I think that confidence that you are telling the story the way it needs to be told told is an essential part because otherwise I don't think it would be possible to go forward. You just sort of flail around and try this and try that. Um, for me, what, what gave additional meaning to Rachel's half of the story is telling the other half of the book in her mother's voice. So right. Jenny, Rachel's mother, the reader knows from the first page that she and her husband died in this terrible shooting accident when Rachel was 11. So it's kind of different to be telling her story in present as if it's happening. Uh, the chapters are labeled now and then because, you know, we've got present and past but sure. um, I felt like the past always informs the present. And the question in um, uh, Jenny's half of the story is, how did this terrible thing happen? Because Rachel doesn't know. Her memories, because of the trauma she experienced, are just fractured. And she only has little snippets of that day. But as the reader follows Jenny's story, they can see clearly where the story is going. And so they have more information than, than Rachel does, which I think helps mm-hmm. to make
0: the story really really deeper and more meaningful yes it absolutely did i agree on that point um when you are planning to write how do you know what story you're going to tell yeah,
1: that's really a challenge because there are so many ways a story can go at the beginning. And mm-hmm. um, I was talking, I was, <laughs> my Norwegian publisher brought me over for the Marsh King's Daughter* to do some, some uh, events in Norway, which was pretty amazing. And so I like can see myself now. I'm sitting in the back seat with another uh, well-known Norwegian author, my publicist, is driving. My, my husband's in the passenger seat up front. And he and I had a conversation about the beginnings of novels. And he agreed, they are the hardest part of writing, because there are so many directions that the story can go. So I actually started over with The Wicked Sister. I lost count, but I want to say it's at least 24 or 25 times.
0: <laughs> wow, um, Really?
1: Yes, because, like, where do you start the story, you know, at what point, and and you can back it up, or you can take it forward, or you can start, there's just so many ways to start, but once it's rolling, then, then
0: I'm on my way. When you begin writing, do you have kind of a general idea, the overview of the entire story, of what you want to accomplish, like, you know where the beginning is, and you know what the end is, maybe you're filling in in the middle, or do you wait and see what happens as you're writing it?
1: Um, yeah, it's a little bit of both. I know the beginning. I know the end. Um, oftentimes, I know the last sentence, and I'm, I'm writing to get to that point for like a year. <laughs> Yay, made it! Last sentence. <laughs> right. But, um, I I do leave a lot of wiggle room in between because I like that process of discovery, and I trust I trust my subconscious. For me, one of the most delightful writer moments is when I'm I'm two-thirds or I'm three-quarters of the way through a book, and I get an idea. Oh, I could do this and this and this with the characters. And I realize that I have laid the groundwork for that idea from the very beginning. I don't have to go back and layer things in to make this new idea fit. The new idea is like the culmination of what I've been working towards all along but didn't realize it because it was all happening on a subconscious level. That is one of the coolest moments ever.
0: My friend calls that the moment of grace. You know, when when you just see it so clearly and you say, ah, okay, I, I, you're at the denouement, you have it, you're ready to finish it up and, and just wrap the story really, really well. Um, are you a, an outliner by any chance? Or do you kind of let your story be told internally, and that's how you write? I
1: do rely on an outline, but it's not very extensive. It's only maybe eight to ten pages. I've, I've heard of authors with 60-page outlines, and I've heard of authors who write with none at all. Um, so mine is, is just a very, very, it's, it's like a a road map where you don't see all the little side roads. You just see the main highway. Sure, right? Right. <laughs> you right. Know, and that keeps me on the path. But I'm more than welcome to, to take a little side road when it looks interesting to me.
0: That's as it should be. It's <laughs> kind of like taking a car trip. You know, you can you can start up going up 95. And if you see an exit that has, you know, the world's largest ball of string, you may want to go ahead and get off there. And so I, I <laughs> like that idea very much. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, so I, I uh-huh. like that idea very much. Um, your book has just released. You are getting rave reviews on it. I I went to Amazon to check. Um people are loving this book. Congratulations. You are, you. you know, you you were a Michigan notable book again, right? I'm thinking well, you're I hope doing so. Yeah, we're <laughs> yeah. we're crossing our fingers on that one, and I really hope it happens for you. Um and in the meantime, the Marsh King's daughter is still being sold it's actually on sale right now in Kindle for 8.99 it's a steal i don't care how much you pay you should go and get it and the wicked sister um ha- has now gotten glowing reviews it's just fabulous i'm so happy for you that this is happening karen no one deserves it more than you really oh thank you Pam
1: it's just so exciting you know the book's been out for a week now
0: and it's it's
1: really like birthing a baby you know it's like will will the baby be beautiful or ugly (laughs) and and so I'm really really happy to see that readers are responding to to the story uh yeah
0: They really, they really are, and you are getting some wonderful feedback from your colleagues. My goodness, everybody is is just raving about this. You know, um, even the Minneapolis Star Tribune called it a gut-clenching wilderness thriller. So I guess you are kind of doing eco thrillers, but not in the way you thought you were, because you are. The setting of your books are very, very important. Your geography is very important.
1: Yeah, that's a great observation. And the eco-thrillers were more plot-heavy. I started with the plot and then created characters around the plot, whereas with the psychological suspense, I begin with the characters, and they do who they are and what they are does a lot towards what happens in the story as well. So I like this way a lot better. Um,
0: Let's talk about um, Backspace, please. Tell everyone what that is.
1: Oh sure. Well, when I started writing seriously back when my son was in high school, I was living in a small town in Michigan's Upper Peninsula, and I knew no other writers in person. And this was this was 2004, so this was very early Internet days. This was before Facebook and even before MySpace. But there were bulletin boards, discussion boards where people could talk about writing. So I and a bunch of other writers were participating in one that was it was kind of like the Wild West, you know, it, it got really crazy at times. And so I wrote to another author who was posting, I did not know him, but I knew he had some website experience. And I said, how hard would it be to make a private place where we could talk about writing without all this noise? So we named it Backspace, we set up this discussion forum, Uh, I invited people to come, and um, in the first week, 100 people came over to to this private forum. Wow. Five years later, I did a count, because by then we had like 2,500 members in a dozen countries, but I did a count of those original 100 members, 47 were published, most with major publishers. They had 74 books between them, and six were New York Times best-selling authors.
0: My goodness, so, look at that! It,
1: so it started with a group of, of aspiring writers who wanted to help each other, and it just grew from there. Besides the discussion forums, um, as you mentioned in, in the intro, we did. Um, my business partner and I uh, had conferences in New York for a lot of years. And also in in the Bahamas, we arranged that writer's retreat because, honestly, when somebody asks you if you will run a week-long writer's retreat on their private island in the Bahamas, you do not say no to that, right? Absolutely not. <laughs> I love
0: the Bahamas. I'm, I love all of the Caribbean, so it makes sense to me. <laughs> um,
1: sure. And uh, so, so you know, for a lot of years, that was a big part of my life. And it actually it was very satisfying helping others reach their publishing goals. But I reached a kind of a moment of crisis in 2013 in the lead-up to my Backspace conference because I saw that an author who had gotten her literary agent at a previous conference of mine was coming out with her subsequent book, and I hadn't written anything. And I thought, you know what? I have not reached my publishing goals. So I pulled back a little bit on that. Backspace is now just in existence as a private Facebook group, um, wasn't too much longer after that i got the idea for the marsh king's daughter and well here we are
0: <laughs> the rest is history and best-selling history thank thankfully for that um karen, yeah. tell everyone where they can find you on the web and in social media please oh sure so my website is karen
1: hyphen com, and then um on facebook it's karen dion author i'm pretty sure that's yeah, that's where I am on Instagram too. Twitter, it's just Karen Dion. It's a bit of a mix, but all of the links are on my website. So all you really have to remember is Karen Dion dot com for my website.
0: And it's a it's lovely. It's a lovely, lovely um, website. The photograph on your homepage is that one you took, by the way. Yes.
1: Yeah, so of the trees. Yes. Um, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh my God, yeah. the colors are outstanding they're beautiful well
1: I'm I love nature as you can tell from my photography and I have to say uh so my husband and I we figured out how we can get out in nature we bought ourselves a little uh self-contained travel trailer and as soon as my book touring is over we're going to head north and we're going to socially distance camp <laughs> up there on uh, the north shore of of uh well, the southern shore of Lake Superior, where my next novel is set. So it's research, it's getting out in the woods, it's going to be wonderful. And I'll take lots of pictures.
0: Well, I'm I'm thrilled that you're here today. I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed our conversation. And I hope you'll come back sometime. Maybe you'll come back and interview someone as the guest host? Oh, that would be so fun. I'd love that. Okay, we'll make it happen, all right? Okay. Thank you so much. This is best-selling author Karen Dion. You know her from The Marsh King's Daughter. You're going to love her for The Wicked Sister. I hope that you all go and get the book because it's fabulous. Karen Dion, thank you so much for being with me today. I appreciate you every time I read your books.
1: Oh, I enjoyed our conversation
0: so much. It's, you know, you're
1: such an icon in the thriller world and I'm, I'm excited to be here thank you so
0: much that's so sweet of you to say i appreciate that okay i'm gonna let you go thank you karen and listeners thank you for being with me and thank you mom and dad i'll see you later